We've got a lot to get to with the transfer portal because, believe it or not, Tim, heard a great stat today. There are more players in the transfer portal on March 29th, 2022 than there were on March 29th, 2021. And I can't believe that. So we'll dive Doesn't into make that. Doesn't make sense. No. What it means Feels for different. Syracuse. Uh, again, there's still a bunch of spots that need to be filled on this roster. And also, we'll give you a little bit of intel on Chris Bunch. What we're looking for out of him next season. What's his role going to look like? And how does he answer the ultimate question for Syracuse basketball for next year. How does he get this orange team to the NCAA tournament? All of that is coming up next. You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse orange part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. What's up and welcome in. It's your Tuesday locked on Syracuse. I'm Tyler Aki. He's Tim Leonard. We're on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And we thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Only place to catch daily SU pods on today's show. We got to start with the transfer portal because believe it or not, I can't believe this. I, I really can't. It does not feel like there's over almost a thousand players. And by the time this is released, there's probably over a thousand players in the transfer portal right now. Doesn't feel that way to me. I don't know about yeah. you. No, I, I'm with you. That that stat almost seems fake. I guess it's because it just sort of hit us upside the head last year, and it was totally new territory to us. And then also, I do think, while the quantity might be more this year, and it sounds like it is, the quality of players, I think, is a little bit less so far. It's still early along in the process, and I'm sure we will see some big names. I did see NC State had about three or four guys enter the portal as of us recording, Manny Bates, one of them, was a big guy. So more names are coming out, but it's not like it's as many big names as it was last year, in my opinion, at this time. No, that's that's got to be the the real difference. I mean, even from a Syracuse lens, you're talking about a guy who was all ACC last year with Quincy Garrier opting to go to the portal. And it just doesn't feel like we have that sort of quality. Now, Syracuse, in all likelihood, is going to dip into the transfer portal at some point. But here's the shocking thing is, there's almost a thousand names out there and you haven't seen Syracuse linked to any of them, unless you're talking about the inside the portal dude who, who tweets <laughs> out his random BS every single day, uh, linking, who is it? Jordan Burns from, or no, um, no, who is Charles the pride, Charles pride, the, the Syracuse yeah. kid. Um, Jordan Burns, I don't think he's playing basketball anymore. Yeah, I, I just picked, a ra- I yeah. picked another, <laughs> uh, random name that I, I knew from the mid major <laughs> ranks. Um, but I, I just like I don't understand why Syracuse's name hasn't been tied to like literally nobody right now. And that's not to say they haven't reached out or anything of that nature. I'm I'm sure they have. I'm just surprised we haven't heard anything from any of these kids saying, yeah, Syracuse, one of the teams that reached out to me because that's a prideful offer there. Like that is like, it's a big deal to get an offer from Syracuse when you're in the transfer portal. Like you can say what you want about where the state of the program is right now, but it's an ACC offer. It's a historic program. It's Syracuse university. I'm surprised we haven't heard more rumblings about Syracuse's activity in the portal. Yeah, I don't know if it means they have reached out to someone and we just have, maybe they just haven't reached out at this point, which is concerning. And maybe they view next year's roster, they as the coaching staff and Jim Beheim as more complete than you and I do. And I'd be curious if you're out there and you're listening, tweeted us your opinion on this, because are we in the minority that we feel this strongly that there should be some additions to this roster in order to get it back to the level that this program usually is at? I look at next year's roster and I think it's pretty cut and dry that I would like to see either another freshman, which I know they're after Judah Mintz, but that's not looking good. And we'll see if he makes a decision this week 
if not that, I'd like to see some transfer portal additions or at least some progress that they are reaching out to guys. I look at a guy like Brandon Murray out of LSU, who is an athletic type wing, played with Benny Williams at IMG Academy, a top 100 kid, all SEC freshman team. He enters the portal. That's someone that you should at least put a call in, ask Benny, hey, could you send him a text? Something to that nature. I mean, it's and maybe not like- they have. And maybe they, maybe have, they have, and we just don't know. Usually we'd hear about that. Yes, and I agree I with you. I feel like it is a little puzzling to me that it has been this quiet on the Syracuse front, both from a standpoint of no news on Cole Swider, no news on anyone else potentially leaving like a Frank Anselm, and really no news to speak of on them reaching out to anyone. I know that based on how the season was ending with them going after Judah Mintz and them reaching out to Sky Clark, I was anticipating it to be at least a couple players that we have heard from. And you're right, maybe they have, but it's kind of odd that we wouldn't have heard about it. Yeah, and it seems like from the freshman front, you brought up Judah Mintz, probably not happening at this point. I think on three sports, who does a really good job of the the recruiting and the transfer portal stuff, they pinned it at a 5% likelihood of Syracuse landing Judah Mintz. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can save your junior Mintz jokes now. And Sky Clark, I mean – it doesn't look like he's a part of that equation either. I believe you, you said something to me earlier. Yeah, he that- announced a list of six schools. I have it here. Illinois, Louisville, Maryland, Tennessee, USC, and shout out Mike Hopkins at Washington making the cut, which Hop is so good at just making the top fives for really good players. A five-star <laughs> Sky Clark. He, he has reeled in some good recruits as well. Uh, and we'll talk about Chris Bunch later today. who's another example of a good recruit that he was right down to the wire on. So, doesn't really say anything negative about hop, but that's the list and Syracuse is not among it. I never really thought there was a decent chance that sky Clark was coming, but it's worth noting that that seems to be totally out of the running at this point. And if you follow the tea leaves here with a sky Clark, Andre Curbelo just hit the portal out of Illinois. And it seems like Illinois is sort of in the driver's seat for someone like sky Clark. So I do want to throw the name Andre Curbelo at you because Syracuse we've talked about, we'd love to see an upgrade at point guard. And first of all, it is Andre Curbelo, no. A, an upgraded point guard. <laughs> well, and there B, now. would you want to see, see him at Syracuse? Well, I think I, I got your answer yeah. out of you right I, there. Look, he has unlimited potential. I think if he gets to the right spot, then his playmaking, his passing is honestly second to none sometimes when you watch him. But at Syracuse, doesn't seem like a great fit from a standpoint of how would he fit into a 2-3 zone defense with, I mean, how tall is he? Maybe six, six foot feet. one. Yeah. yeah, and that might be generous, one. like you said, yeah. Right, and then, I don't know, he just he strikes athletic. me as... He he's athletic. athletic. Yeah, and look, he makes like five or six plays each game that make you think he could be an All-American, but he really took a dip efficiency-wise this year. I just looked at his stats, and I was surprised even how bad they were, even for someone that has sort of followed his up-and-down career throughout the first two seasons. I think he shot like 17% from three, 30% or so, low 30s from the floor. Didn't have good numbers, and it was partially because of injuries. But I know they had success with Alan Griffin coming over from Illinois. And that's my big thing is I just hope we don't get to a point where they're not going after guys that they did not go after in the high school time period. So Alan Griffin would be an example of a guy that they reeled in after sort of never pursuing him from what I understand when he went to Illinois and made his initial decision. I'm just hoping that Jim Beheim isn't viewing it as, oh, we don't really have a relationship with that guy, so let's not reach out to him. And again, 
we don't know. Maybe they are reaching out, but I just like to see more evidence that, hey, we understand we have some holes to fill in this roster and we might not be an NCAA tournament team right now. We need to go get some players. I look at it too. This is a, a coaching staff that it's notorious for short leashes, right? And mm-hmm. with some of the plays that Andre Curbelo makes, like you brought up that all the head scratching ones, he does make yeah, a couple of games that look amazing, right? And, and they're sports center caliber plays, but he also makes just as many where you're scratching your head saying, Is this guy a D1 basketball player? It's right, it's too much. And it's it's crazy to think too, because this was a guy, he's a big 10 six man of the year as a freshman. And if you talk to people around Illinois, they thought he might break the all-time program assist record that's yeah, been around since like the, going into yeah, this year. Yeah. Like he was a third team preseason All-American, I think. Um, but they thought he was gonna break a an assist record at Illinois that's been around since like the 70s or the 80s. Like Darren Williams couldn't break that. D Brown couldn't break that. So and people thought Andre Carbello was gonna step in and maybe break that record. I just don't think the fit is there for for Syracuse. I, I think the positional fit. Yes, he, he would check the box of point guard, but I don't think that's the point guard that you would want. And quite frankly, like I'd rather take my chances on Samir Torrance because let's be honest, Samir Torrance is kind of a reclamation project. And at least that's a reclamation project that you have in your, you've had in your system for a little bit here. And it's starting to it look a lot more comfortable towards the end of the season when he was put into that role as the starter. Yeah. And for anyone that says, well, Beheim, Joe Girard, 6-1, he's playing the zone. That's one thing, but I think it's tough when you have whatever Torrance is, maybe 6'2", maybe 6'3". I'd have to look it up. Joe Girard, 6'1", not athletic. You probably are looking for a guard that, to me, considering the 2-3 zone, is something you're at least going to play a decent amount next year, is in the 6'3", 6'4", neighborhood, or more at point guard, honestly. I think a 6'4", point guard would be ideal. We'll get to some more transfer thoughts and also get into Chris Bunch because that is another name that is a certainty to be coming here next season. We'll get into what his role could look like for Syracuse heading into 2023. But, hey, I love and hate those buzzer beaters, all the drama, all the things that you saw during the NCAA tournament. But sometimes you need things to bounce your way. Like, I needed Purdue to go out and pick up a win against St. Peter's. Didn't get it. But that's why Stat Hero is great. I still have a little bit of money in my pocket because it pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. It's time to take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups that you can come through and take on head-to-head. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed, and the simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. It's the way daily fantasy is meant to be. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Again, stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Any other leftover transfer portal thoughts? Like, how many guys do you think this team's going to bring in? Because obviously there's the volume out there. The, the pond's big enough to fish from. It's just, okay, what are you going to be fishing in? Are you looking at, oh, we're going to look for a, a shooter. Oh, we're going to look for a point guard. Oh, we're going to look for a depth piece. Oh, we're going to look for a, a guy who can play opposite Benny. Like, do you think there's a starter that's not on this team right now? I would say yes, because I'm leaning towards Cole Swider does not return. 
Although, as days pass, I don't really know what to think on the Cole Swider front. It is still early in the process, and, you know, we've been down this road before, and a lot of things have changed. There's five I mean, recruits Andrew White. right now. Remember yeah, Andrew like, White? He literally took it up to the first day of school. Right. Torian Thompson was a late one. It, I mean, Frank Anselm was a commit very late in the cycle. It feels like things will change. There's so much time for it to change, so I would say yes to that. But if Cole Swider comes back, a part of me is a little bit worried that maybe they'll just say, hey, you know, we've got a pretty good core coming back and no need to go after the transfer portal because we didn't lose as much as last year and we'll just ride with what we have. I mean, Beheim has said in the past that two or three freshmen might start next year. I hope he just said that as a one-time thing and he doesn't actually really want that to happen though because if you're going to say that, then don't halfway through the season say, oh, we're too young and I don't know why anyone got excited about this. And Because this is the same guy that said this is the best recruiting class that he's ever had and two or three of them are going to start. So you can't really rely on them and then you know throw that back at the fans and say that it was always going to be a struggle this season. Yeah, I, I just... You need to go out and probably get a game changer in this transfer portal. I think you need someone to give you some scoring. And I think you also need somebody that can, that can play some defense. You're going to need a two way guy. And again, I don't think you're going to go out and find your leading scorer necessarily in the transfer portal. You're probably going to need to see somebody take some sort of leap. Um, whether it's Joe Girard getting more efficient and proving that he can be out on the floor for 38 minutes a night, whether it's Benny taking a, a monster step, or maybe I doubt it would be a freshman that would step up and be that leading guy. But if it is, I mean, maybe Jim is right. And this is the best recruiting class he's ever had, but mm. let's get into one of those guys, Chris bunch here. And he's a guy who top 100 right now, according to 24 seven is only, is the only top 100 guy that Syracuse has right now. Um, he's ranked 55th, according to 24 seven ranked 96th in the 24 seven composite. And basically what that is, is, it's a compilation of all the different recruiting services out there. But Chris Bunch, probably the most promising and probably the most typical player that you would see Syracuse recruit. A wing, 6'7", got length, got bounce, got athleticism. It's more of what this team needs. And I think getting back to old ways, if you're Syracuse, A, it's going to improve your defense, and B, hopefully it's a step in getting this team back to a top 25 team potentially and a team that isn't sweating things out on Selection Sunday and is in the comfortable three to five seed range when you get to that time in March. Yeah, I am excited about Chris Bunch. I think he's sort of like a Woody Newton or even uh, Benny Williams from a standpoint of he does have the unteachables in the zone, the length, the athleticism. I think his one-on-one -on -one defense is okay in terms of when he's playing man-to-man. -man. It was interesting. I was watching an interview with him on YouTube. Uh, it was posted five or six days ago. I forget the name of the account, but he said something to the effect of kind of reiterating what Coach Beheim has said. And he said, when I talked to Beheim, he said, we're probably going to play about half and half man and zone next year. So just add that to the list of Yep. More proof that maybe the unthinkable will happen next year and we will see some man-to-man -man defense. I view him as a guy that will be solid in either defense next season. His offense is definitely still a work in progress from a standpoint of dribbling and creating his own shot, but he has very good range. His shot looks pretty clean, and it seems like when he's in the mid-range, sort of pulling up for jumpers, one or two dribble pull-ups, he's very effective at that. 
they're going to need somebody. And, and I think of all the, the recruits that they have coming in, Bunch is the most likely to start because yeah. a, it's a position that certainly could be of need once you get to opening day. And on top of that, he's the highest rated guy and probably has the highest ceiling out of anybody in your recruiting class too. Like this is the best player in your class right now, barring you going out and maybe getting one of these other guys that's decommitted along the way, which isn't seeming likely right now. This is going to be the best player in your class. This is going to be the foundational piece. And in a, a very hefty class that Syracuse has, I think there's a lot on Chris Bunch to, to go out there and be an impact guy and almost kind of like, I, I'd liken the situation maybe a little to O'Shea Brissett where he came in and started and he was really, really good as a freshman. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. you look at O'Shea's freshman season, people thought he was maybe going to test the waters at least for the NBA draft. But if you can get a an O'Shea Brissett type of season out of a guy like Chris Bunch, I'm not saying it necessarily makes – I don't think any of these freshmen are going to make or break the tournament chances. I think it's going to be the other pieces, but you're going to need freshman support if you're going to get to the NCAA tournament, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. You need them to at least be a decent floor because they have yeah. to fill bodies and they have to be a part of the rotation, at least a handful of them. I think Chris Bunch, Justin Taylor are probably the most likely to be key rotation pieces as we stand right now. He, the question for me about Chris Bunch and when you identify like what is his role next year, can he be more than just a catch-and-shoot guy? Can he create off the dribble? And I think we've seen it a little bit from his highlight tapes and stuff, but you go through his highlights, and it's a lot of him getting out in transition and dunking and showing off that leaping ability and athleticism, which is great for the defensive part of the zone, and it's exciting because I think he does have the quickness and the athleticism to – recover, make some chase down type blocks, weak side blocks like Benny Williams did at times this year, which we really lacked on the court. But even when the highlights of him kind of getting to the rack or going into his pull-ups, it does seem like it, it needs some fluidity there in terms of his ball handling. And again, I'm just looking at highlight reels. I haven't been able to mm -hmm. take a super deep dive on him. But even when he was asked in this interview, I was talking about what are some things you need to improve on he said bulking up, basically, which he is a very slender guy, and getting by ball handling right. So I think he even admits that that's probably an area of his game where if he can become more of a creating your own shot off the dribble type of guy, that would be huge for him. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I've got a professional scouting report for you. We'll do that. Right. We've got Jerry Meyer. He's got his on 24-7 sports. We'll tell you what he says about Chris Bunch and also how does Chris Bunch – get Syracuse to the NCAA tournament. That's coming up in just a little bit. But after months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's champion this coming week. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, player props, you name it, they've got it at BetOnline.net. It remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting, and your favorite Vegas casino games as well. So head on over to the website today or use your phone to learn all about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So I promised you that 24-7 sports from Jerry Meyer, the director of basketball scouting there. So 
What they do is they give you a projection and then a little rundown. The projection is sort of the role that they expect this player to play when they get to college. So the projection is a power five starter. Now, I don't think it necessarily means they're going to be that right away, but probably assuming it's something over the bulk of their career, there will be a power five starter. And that's what they are projecting for Chris Bunch. So here's what it says. A long wing at six foot seven, smooth athlete who is quick off the floor as a leaper, more of a finesse player with a slender build does need to develop physical strength and a more and a bigger edge to his game shoots extremely well. And with deep range has an effortless stroke with touch with a low release thrives at shooting over defender. His shooting sets up drive opportunities, not necessarily a nifty handler with change of direction effective though, with straight line rim attacks and pull up jumpers, not known as a tough one on one defender, but has great recovery speed and a feel for blocking shots on the move has potential as a rebounder. Here's one of the things that I found a little bit weird, and maybe I'm misinterpreting this here, but has an effortless stroke with touch with a low release thrives at shooting over a defender, low release and shooting over a defender. Don't add up. Am I missing something here? Am I misinterpreting this information? No, I I mean, I think that that is sort of a contradictory statement, but I agree. The release looks good. It does seem like it comes out in a little bit of a push lower shot, which that sounds too harsh. I mean, it's a good looking shot, but it is not the highest release I've ever seen. I think he's pretty good at shooting in traffic, though. He's probably a better shooter in traffic than he is a finisher in traffic in terms of when he gets in the lane and trying layups and different floaters and stuff like that. He seems to do if you again, if you watch his highlights, it seems like a lot of his highlights are him catching and shooting a three or catching, taking one or two dribbles and shooting a mid range pull up, which good traits. I mean, I think that translates pretty well. It's been successful at Syracuse. Guys have really thrived in that offense. The question is, if Syracuse wants to really improve its ceiling next year, he might need to be a guy that's scoring 10 to 12 points a game, honestly, yeah. given the roster makeup. Now, things could change in that front, and maybe he has to take on less of a role depending on how other guys play. But right now, I view him as someone that is probably going to start and probably going to be needed to play so significant minutes and score a decent amount out there. So that's the question mark, which, again, I haven't evaluated him a ton, but it feels like if he can prove, all right, I'm more than just a catch-and-shoot guy with a good-looking three-point shot, and he can bring it on defense, and you've got a really complete player. I'm very excited about him. I think he's definitely the best prospect in this class, for sure. I'm with you on that. Okay, now let's answer the question. How does he help Syracuse get to the NCAA tournament next year? I think he's the most ready to start out of all these guys that are coming in, not just from a, a talent standpoint, but also from a fit standpoint and where there might be holes on this team standpoint. I like that for for his ability to to come in and play a, a significant chunk of minutes next season. Um, but I think the big thing with Chris Bunch is he can really help solidify the back line defensively. If you're looking at a starting back line, assuming this team plays majority zone, again, Syracuse will probably play man-to-man a little bit next year. This feels as real as it's been yeah. over the last however many years since Jim Beheim has been playing zone. This feels as real as it's ever been, but let's like, don't get it twisted. It'll be a majority zone. I would say you're looking at no worse than a 70, 30 split. I would say Probably, of, yeah. of zone demand. And I know what, what bunch said, it might be a 50, 50. I would guess it's more of a 70, 30 and probably realistically 85, 
15 or 80, 20, but with him on that back line alongside Jesse, alongside Benny Williams in all likelihood, that is night and day it's from what you had. Yeah. Like that is night and day from what you had last season with Cole and with uh, Jimmy Bayheim. Like that is a formidable back end to the defense. And that's something that if you can sure up that and make life easier on Jesse too, where he can do a little bit more of the shot blocking stuff, which he was already really good at this past season. Like imagine if Jesse was just a pure on anchor on that zone and didn't really have to move much outside of the paint. Like then you're talking about Jesse, maybe even averaging four blocks a game. Like it sounds absurd, but what was he almost three last year? Yeah, it was a lot. And he yeah. was running all over the place. So you could be looking at a really strong defensive back line if Chris Bunch can bring that athleticism to that back end. Yeah, that's the case for next year's team. Is the pieces fit together more? You get back to a Syracuse formidable back line. You get back to a defense that does have the necessary athleticism. But I mean, I would say Benny Williams was a below average zone defender. I know that that's probably going to get some pushback from people on this year's team. He wasn't below average, but it wasn't like his defense was some unbelievable asset when he was out there and he had all the necessary athleticism. He did make some splash plays like Chris bunch will probably make next year. But I say that to say that it takes time to learn the zone. And that's what every player pretty much says. So Yes, Chris Bunch, Benny Williams, Jesse Edwards sounds really good in theory, but a lot of it hinges on the just how quickly Chris Bunch gets comfortable with the concepts of the 2-3 zone. And, you know, if he doesn't, then maybe you're going to a man-to-man defense more. And those three in man-to-man sound great to me. I think there's less yeah. of a learning curve there for Chris Bunch in terms of man-to-man, of course. Yeah, I mean, you could have four solid defenders out there uh, next season in your starting lineup. And I think that would be intriguing if if Samir is your starting point guard and you couple it up with the the other three on the back end. I think that just makes everyone better. And you can hide one guy defensively. We've talked about this. You can hide yeah. one guy defensively. Um, you, you've done it in the past, and you surely can do it again. Um, and and if you're hiding a guy who's a senior on your team, I think that's a little bit better because at least there's familiarity, there's IQ with it too. So, yeah, I mean, from the offensive standpoint for Bunch. You know, obviously doesn't need to be the team's leading scorer. I think he just has to make the little plays because you're going to have an offense that, I mean, obviously Jesse is fantastic and who knows, maybe is your, your leading scorer next year. It's a possibility. Um, You're going to have Joe Girard. Hopefully his efficiency improves if he is slid off over to the two spot. And then Benny Williams, can he make the leap? Can he be that guy that scored 14 points against Duke? Is that more of the Benny Williams that we're going to see next year? Um, If Chris Bunch is your fourth leading scorer next year, I think it depends on what that number is. But if if he's getting you about eight points a game as maybe your fourth leading scorer, seven points a game, eight points a game, Usually at Syracuse, be- that, that means you're playing like 40 minutes, so your stats are a little bit better. But yeah, yeah I agree. But like if, you, if you're getting eight points a game, and again, maybe he's not starting on this team next year because who knows what the transfer portal is going to bring. But if you're in that neighborhood, I think this, this team could be in a, a solid spot next year. Yeah, I, I view it honestly pretty similar to the Benny role going into this past year and the way we talked about him about – all right, can Benny get to the neighborhood of 10 points per game? And 
I think as a fan base, we were all a little bit bullish on Benny. So maybe that's why I'm a little bit more timid to just say, hey, Chris Bunch is going to come in and just kill it on defense and offense next year. There's potential for that, but I'm a little more guard up now, I think, after seeing how Benny, a guy that was rated more highly and honestly had some of the similar type of things with this game, Bunch's shot looks much better than Benny right now, but this time last year, I was led to believe that Benny's mid-range jumper was a huge asset and a shot was very silky smooth. And, you know, when you got to look at more of the mechanics and everything, it does make sense that he's working on it. And hopefully that's a big part of why he takes a step this year. So it's very similar. Like you're counting on a freshman to come in and be an integral part. And when Benny wasn't quite up to speed as quickly as we might've thought, Syracuse suffered as a team. So as much as Bunch is not going to be the leading scorer next year, they need him to play some type of role, along with Justin Taylor and some of these other guys. Yeah, it's going to be integral for this team. They just need, and you're going to need youth production next year. It's not like yeah. this year where you can get uh, get away with. No, you're going to need youth production next year. So, all right, we're going to talk some football tomorrow. We're going to have our our guy Drew Carter from the ACC Network, our buddy, our pal from. Um, our college days, and now he's doing much bigger and better things at the ACC mm. Network. He will be on the call for Syracuse's spring game. So we're going to get into what, what's the plan? What's the plan for Syracuse's spring game? Is he being duped, too? Is he going to show up there and they're going to be like, ah, oh, gotcha. Uh, you're, yeah, we're not April actually forward. doing this. <laughs> uh, we're not actually doing this this year. Um, what's the plan? What, what's going to happen with that? And also, what, what are some of the storylines he's looking forward to as he gets ready for the spring game? So we will do that with Drew Carter tomorrow. For Tim, I'm Tyler. Talk to you guys with Drew tomorrow. Oh.